Hallelujah. We glorify you. We magnify you tonight. We bless your name. We bless your name. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you that you have seated us with you in heavenly places. Lord, that when we worship you, we don't worship you from afar, but we worship you as ones that you have seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you because of the blood of Jesus. According to Ephesians 2.14, I thank you because of the blood of Jesus, we have been brought near. Hallelujah. So as we lift our voices, as we worship, Lord, we're not worshiping from a distance, but we are, have the ability to be in the very throne room of heaven. Hallelujah. Worshiping you that we can push aside the things of the day. We can push aside the pressures. We can push aside the disappointments and we can lift our voices and, and give and give our faith into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that, that we can be just like David in Psalm 63, where he said, I live in a dry and weary land where no water is. But he said, I go into the house of the Lord and it's there that I see your power and your glory. Hallelujah, Lord, I'm so grateful that in this New Testament reality that we don't necessarily have to come to the house, even though there's an amazing thing that happens in a corporate anointing. But Lord, I thank you that that we can worship you anywhere. We can worship you and we can give voice to you anywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion into the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. Now listen to this. To an innumerable company of angels. To the generally assembly. Now listen to this. In the church of the firstborn. See, this is who is in heaven today. Hallelujah. It's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. It says, it says there's an innumerable company of angels. Which we, we know that, right? Hallelujah. There, uh, Isaiah 6, they're surrounding and flying around the throne of God saying, he is saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, just declaring who he is every time they surround the throne of God. It tells us also that it says to the, to the general assembly. That's, that's I believe, that's, that's the believers that are in heaven. Then it says, the church of the firstborn. Do you know you and I are the church of the firstborn? Now, then it says this. It's, who are the church of the firstborn? It says, those who are registered in heaven. I'm telling you, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? That means your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, right? That means you are registered in heaven. And I love this. It says, it says, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all. Now listen, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You know, it's interesting. It doesn't say the bodies of those. It says the spirits of those. Do you know what you, you, you can worship from the position of heaven. Amen. This, this is who in he- is in heaven. You go in prayer. You know what? You are going before the very throne room of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You have an audience with heaven. If the, if, if the church, if believers really understood who they are, what we've been given, and the access that we have in God, 
It would change how we worship. It would change how we pray. It would change how we read the word. It would change what we do in our, in, in our profession. It would change everything about us because, because we know everything that's backing us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you worship on a Sunday morning or in your car, just see yourself that, hey, wait a minute, I'm in the, I'm in the heavenly Jerusalem right now. Because I'm in the generally assembly of the church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. Registered in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So who else is there? It says, to God, the judge of all, to the saints of just men made perfect. Hallelujah. You're like made perfect. You know, I'm, I'm, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, and this is, a, this is a stretch for some people's thinking, that you are as just as righteous as you'll ever be. You'll never be righteous in your own works. But I'm telling you, I have been made righteous. I'm not becoming righteous. I was made righteous. That's what, that's what Corinthians tells us. I was made righteous. Amen. It says it was a gift. Romans chapter 5. And it says this, to Jesus. Jesus is there. The mediator of a new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Hallelujah. Man. Amen. Let's get a vision of heaven. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your presence that's here tonight. I thank you for strengthening every single one of us. Lord, Holy Spirit, you know exactly what each one of us has faced this past week, what's going on, what we are facing tomorrow. And I thank you, Lord, that each one of us, Lord, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, will be corrected where we need to be corrected, will be challenged where we need to be challenged, will be inspired where we need to be inspired. We open our hearts tonight to hear to hear that we would leave here every single one of us whether here or watching online that we would hear something that would strengthen us and it would be something that we can hold on to because that's what the word does the word brings faith Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We'll be strengthened by faith tonight because of the word and the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you turn to someone, give them a high five. It's all good to see them tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Uh, how you doing, Benji? Come up, give me a hug. <laughs> uh, amen. How you feeling? Better. That feeling better? Well, Benji was in a, I would say, a bad car accident um, this week, and um, someone hit him going, hit him from behind, going probably seventy miles an hour or more, and um, he's probably maybe a little sore in the natural, but. But the most part of the truck kind of folded like a taco. Um, but um, he is totally fine. No scratches, just a little sore. And, um, you know, and, you know, when they were in the hospital room, him and Jennifer were ministering to people in the ER. And, 
You know, he, he was more concerned about the person that hit him from behind because he practically went through the windshield. And this is out on 20 and Hemp Hill, was it 20? 20 and what? McCart. McCart. 20 and McCart on, um, is it Tuesday morning? Monday morning this week. Time and days kind of connect together. But Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, for Benji, Lord. And I just thank you that, Lord, uh, we declare restore, restore over his vehicle. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that um, we know according to what Genesis tells us, it says, what the enemy meant for evil. I thank you according to the way we can read it in the Hebrew, that you have the ability to reweave it for good. We know that you are the author of abundant life. We know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that there was protection around him. Thank you that angels were surrounding about him in every way. So we rejoice in that. And I thank you, Lord, that you will get the glory on the other side of this. So restore to him something better and beyond what he could ask, think, dream, or imagine. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for his life. We thank you for his family. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to, where should you turn? Um, you know, I, I woke up, Annette, uh, I went walking, went to work out this morning, and Annette asked me, so are you preaching tonight? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Who's preaching tonight? I, I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Um, you know, sometimes have direction. There's been seasons where we have things mapped out and sermons mapped out for series, you know, for, you know, six months in advance, and I give people different assignments, but since we started... It was summer revival nights. Now we're calling it a Holy Ghost nights, and um, and just really following His direction and, and leadership in everything that we do, and that's my heart. And um, and so I, I got back from from walking. I just heard this one word, and and I just felt the Holy Spirit said, "I want you to talk about attitude, attitude." And it may not be like attitude, but. Um, <laughs> Might not, we, not be, we might not be dealing with that kind of attitude tonight, but, uh, <laughs> but it can be, you know. Uh, you know um, and there's so many things, ways we could take attitude uh, tonight. Um, but go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 29, and we'll see. And uh, Pastor Annette and I may do a little tag team in tonight, um, and we'll just see where it goes. All of a sudden, I just forgot where Jeremiah was, you know, it's like. How many people were here Sunday morning? I was, I was here. I was there, you know, and I talked about uh, a life of purpose, and, and so I just want to key on that for a moment, because attitude has everything to do with you fulfilling your purpose, and, uh, and but to Jeremiah 29, 11, and uh, I wish I had like three hours just to talk about the first uh, 10 verses of this chapter. Um, but if you understood Jeremiah 29, 11, you understand Jeremiah 29, you would understand it's so much more than a, than a great scripture that you can put on a calendar or some notes, you know. Um, and of course, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, if I can find 11, here it is, uh, says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, New King James says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. 
King James says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of plans of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Now, it's interesting. There's nothing in here where it says God has thoughts of evil for you. It doesn't have anything about that God has thoughts of depression. No, no, it tells us what these thoughts are. They're thoughts of peace. And it tells us that they're not evil. And the thoughts that he has for us should give us hope in a final outcome. But most, most people that go around that even believers I know, they don't have hope in a final outcome because they don't know God's true thoughts about them. They don't know the word of God. There's too many Christians today that live based out of their emotions and their feelings when we need to be living out of the word of God and allow the word of God to shape our emotions and shape our feelings because your emotions and your feelings will lead you one way one day and and another way the next day. So he says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The word thoughts here. Um, in our English language is really where we get our English word machine from. It's two different Hebrew words, and I'm not going to take the time to dissect all that, but just trust me. Um, One of the words means to invent or create. That's one of the the Hebrew words. And and so, so with it, it's the two Hebrew words create this. It means to invent or create with purpose to accomplish a task. So when God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, he's saying, I know why I created you, I know why I invented you, and I know the tasks that you will accomplish. All that in the word, I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. And it tells us these thoughts are for peace and not evil to give us hope in our final outcome. You, we have to understand that we have the word of God and the Holy Spirit and his desire is for us to lead us in a path to this final outcome. Yes. You know, I always looked at it this way that, that I have God's thoughts for me. That's, that's, plan, that's, that's point A. And the final outcome is point B. Mm-hmm. And in between point A and point B is where life happens. Amen. Right? You know, we could call it between the amen and the there it is. We, we, it's, like, it's like, okay, God, you have a plan for my life, and it's walking this plan out step by step. Yes, sir. Paul used this reference, in fear and trembling. <laughs> but there's times in life where we're in between point A and point B. You know, maybe things happen to us in life that were unexpected. Maybe in between point A and point B, we made wrong decisions and wrong choices. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, something happened. There was, there was a loss. There was something that happened. There was, there was a mistake made. There was a, a wrong turn taken. And all of a sudden, you know, point B was over here and you started here. And next thing you know, you're way over here. And all the while, God is saying, hey, I, I still have that for you. So because of the grace of God that that he has the ability to redeem the time and that he has the ability to still get you there. Amen. But it's it's your attitude in life that is going to determine whether you get to the final outcome. It's your attitude. It's it's how you think about things. It's it's how you pursue things. 
what, what are some definitions of attitude? Attitude is a manner, a disposition, it's a feeling, it's a position with regard to a person or thing. So, so it's how I view something. That that's, could be attitude. Uh, attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. So it's this, this settled way of thinking. Have you ever had a settled way of thinking and no one could talk you out of it? And that can be good and that can be bad. That can be a curse and that can be a blessing. <laughs> An attitude is a position of the body. It is a state to or implying an action of readiness of mind. So your attitude is the position of your thinking. It's a position of your mind. Now, there could be so many different things we could talk about uh, attitude. Uh, I could talk about how, um, your, how you shape your attitude. I could talk about how, how as a believer, how we shape our attitude is going to be de- dependent upon meditating the word, right? Meditation. Meditating the word. Meditate the word day and night, and you'll make your way prosperous, and then, you know, you'll have good success. You know, meditating the word. So there's a lot of things that I could talk about um, in this aspect of attitude. Attitude is a choice. It is, a, it is also an attitude is a, is a determination. It's, a, it's an attitude that you have. And it's this attitude that you have concerning your purpose, concerning God, that determines what, what, how you fulfill your purpose. Okay? Like I said, there's so many things. So I, I, but I, I have a, an assignment by the Holy Spirit tonight on things to the deposit. Uh, a, a proper attitude doesn't happen automatic. Hallelujah. And the attitude that I want to deal with tonight as it pertains to this is because it's a position of the mind, right? It's a position. It's, it's how we look towards something. It's, our, it's, it's how we view something, right? That's some of the definitions that we looked at. So the attitude that, that, that uh, the Holy Spirit wants me to deal with tonight is having the attitude of being single-minded, we have to have the attitude of being single-minded in our thought life. Because I'm telling you, the enemy will take you this way and that direction. You can be, be like the people that Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4, that you're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You're tossed to and fro. Paul talked to Timothy, and he talks about not giving attention to fables, not giving attention to, to, to what men are arguing about. He gives, give no account to, to Sabbath and holidays and new moons and fast. Don't, don't give attention to those things because those gender strife, those things gender argue. So, so don't, 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 don't do that because the enemy will, will try to take you one direction to the next. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Having the proper attitude concerning in your thought life, having being single-minded in your thought life. So what, friend, before we go forward in this, what, what is the definition for thoughts? Thoughts are mental picture, mental picture of success, or they can be a mental picture of failure. Thoughts are a mental picture. 
They're a mental picture of how you see yourself. They're a mental picture of what you're facing right now. They're a mental picture. And are those mental pictures of success or are they mental pictures of failure? Are they mental pictures of insecurity? Are they mental pictures of confidence? Because insecurity and confidence are really attitudes of your heart. As everything comes back to your heart, I said, I wish I had time to kind of build this foundation more about, about attitude in the heart and how it affects your behavior and, and which, which, which uh, your actions, your behavior that leads to your destiny and all that. But that's not my total assignment tonight. It's, it's really dealing with this aspect of single-minded. Your thoughts are what's driving your life. It's a mental picture. You're making your decisions based on your thoughts, which are, which is a, some sort of your attitudes, the position of your heart and the position of your life. For example, you can get up in the morning and you can have a choice whether I'm going to get out of bed or I'm going to stay in bed. That's, that's a choice you have to make. That's, that's, that's an attitude and it's based on your thoughts. There's, you could have the thought, am I going to get out of bed because I need to go to work or am I going to have the thought, well, you know what? I'm going to call in sick because I would rather watch Young and the Restless. You know, I mean, you could, you could have thoughts like that. Those are the thoughts I have all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding about that. But, you know, and, and the thoughts could be, am, am I going to go do this or am I going to go do that? Am I going to give in to the feelings of failure or am I going to give in to what God says about my life? Or am I going to, am I going to give in to what the enemy's whispering to me about my future and just give in and say, you know what, the enemy's right. This, I'm never going to have my break. I'm ne- this is never going to happen. They're never going to see really how worth it I am at my workplace. They're never going to value me. They're, they're just going to, no. And, and, or you can have the attitudes like, no, God, you make room for me. God, you open doors that no man can shut. God, you have the ability to, to bring me to places that, that no one else can take me. You, you, I'm, I'm going to trust you in this. See, see, it's an attitude of the heart. But we have to be single-minded. We have to have this single-minded thought life as it pertains to our attitude. My attitude says, is this, Lord, this is what God's word says, and I'm not moving from it. God, this is what you spoke to me by your word. This is what you spoke to me through, through maybe someone I trusted. This is something I, I've been praying over, and this is something that I'm holding to. I'm not going to let go of it, Lord. I'm not going to let go of it. That's just being single. That's being single minded. See, one wrong, one wrong thought acted upon can change your life forever. One wrong thought acted upon can change your life forever. So t- your attitude has everything to do with your success or your failure. Thank you, Father. Proverbs chapter 23. Let's look at that. Single-minded in our thought life. Proverbs 23. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so is he. 
What are you thinking about yourself? Are you thinking what God thinks about you? Are you thinking what other people has told you, told you you are? We have to have a single-mindedness attitude as it pertains to God's plan and purpose for our life. Thank you. See, the scripture places the responsibility on me. This scripture places the responsibility on me, not, not on Joseph. The, the responsibility for my success in life isn't placed on my wife for me. Your success in your life is, is not dependent on, on me. It's based on what are you allowing to shape your life and your thought life. Because it's as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We all think. We all think. Our mind, God created our minds to think. Think you, you, Sometimes you just can't stop thinking. Your mind's racing. You're, you have this or you have that. You, have, you go from this appointment to that appointment, this meeting to that meeting, and, 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 and everything's going on. Everything's happening so fast. You, your mind was made to think. The, question, the thing we have to understand is you have the ability to determine what you think based on what you put in your heart. It's a choice on my part what thoughts I allow to dominate my life. What does single-minded mean? It means having sincerity of heart or mind. It means having a single focus or purpose, meaning this is the direction I'm going. This is what God's told me, and I'm not moving from it. Proverbs 4 puts it this way. He says, it says this. He goes, looking on with fixed purpose, fixed purpose, not moving to the left hand or the right. Moving on with fixed purpose. I'm not moving to the left hand or the right. I'm looking on with fixed purpose. I'm telling you that the enemy will want you to get, he'll want you to focus on the symptoms get you focused on what the finances look like, get you focused on your past, what other people have done to you. But I'm telling you, no, you, you have to focus on what does God's word say about a situation? Because he has thoughts for you. He has plans for you. Being single-minded. Go to James 1. James 1. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
You see, there's things that are going to try to come in your life to move you off of what you're called to do. But was it say, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations? Knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Better way to translate that, your, that is that it says, oh, actually, produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. So what patience has to work. I, I need, when I'm going through difficult times, I need to let patience work. See, most of the time, our, our thought process is when we have trials come against us, we get impatient. Ask the question, why this or why that? But this, it says, it says, you know, let patience have its perfect work. Patience is a spiritual force, not something that you do in your own ability. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. So patient, let, let patience have its perfect work, meaning it's a choice. I have to let patience. You have to let patience have its perfect work. So this is an attitude, right? It's an attitude. It's a position. It's a readiness of mind that I put myself into when I'm facing diverse trials, right? Let patience have its perfect work because when I do that at the end of it and I keep my attitude right and I keep my attitude in patience, it says at the end of it, I'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Amen. Do you like the sound of that? Do you like complete and perfect, lacking nothing? But this is when I'm allowing the fruit of patience to work in my life. And some people have had the thought, oh, well, you know, well, God's the one that's doing the testing and the trying here. No, if you keep reading the rest of the chapter, it says, let no man say when he's being, being tempted, he's being tempted of God. But he said, you're tempted when you're drawn away by your own lust. What's that mean? My thoughts. I stay on point here. Let patience have its perfect work. Uh, you'll be complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, listen to this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts, he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven. So we got, two, we got two attitudes here. We have an attitude of faith and we have an attitude of doubt. We all need wisdom, right? If we lack wisdom, what does it say? Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. It says, let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He, the one that doubts, is a double-minded man, unstable, unstable in all his ways. You see, this is an attitude, right? Meaning if I'm constantly living in this position between faith and fear. Mm -hmm. 
then what happens? It's like I'm like the wave of the sea, driven with, driven with the wind and tossed. And my spouse can't, doesn't know what husband's going to show up. Your husband doesn't know what wife is going to show up. You go to the workplace and they're like, well, last week he was praising the Lord. This week he's cussing. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Because you're dri driven with the wind in tall. I, I'm just being real. I, I mean, right? I mean, because the thing is, is it's an attitude. It's the attitude and it's this single-mindedness single that, that I've got to hold to this. I am not going to be a double-minded yes, man. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Really, a good translation of this in the Greek is a two-souled man. It's kind of like a two-headed monster. <laughs> and you'll, 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 you'll make decisions and do things that you never really had to go through. Yeah. Because, because you were led by this attitude. But if we could get to this place where we are single-minded, nothing can move us and nothing can shake us. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Years ago, I saw a picture of this. And, and I saw a picture of this, you know, in, in playing the game Twister. Remember the game Twister? <laughs> you know, I, I did an illustration with this year, years ago where I actually had the, had the Twister board on the stage, the Twister mat on the stage. And we said, you know, you know, put your left hand on blue, and that represented this thing. And then, okay, put your right foot on yellow. And then put, your, put your, then put your other hand on this color and put your other hand on this color. And I think I had two people. So I had them to where they kind of looked like a pretzel. And they were, they, they, they were doing it, but the thing is, is if any sort of wind came along or pressure came along, they couldn't stand. Why? Because they got one hand on this, one hand there, one foot here, and one foot there, and that's how a lot of us look spiritually. And, and we wonder why that... that, 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 that Things don't seem to be working out or why we keep from one setback to another setback. We get on our feet for a little while and man, we go back to our, go back to you know, where we, what we came out, came out of. Why? Because we haven't fixed our attitude in being single minded. You want to say something, Pastor Annette? I think you need to say something. Yeah, just. And I'll, I'll, I'll take back over after you. I'll stay up here with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Single-mindedness. I'm not going to be tossed to and fro. I know what God's word says about me and who I am. Do you know what God's word says about you? Yes. Your attitude is about what you believe. And you're not going to be moved from it. Amen. It was, he came back from his walk and he said, all I got was attitude. And I said, well, I was looking up attitude. <laughs> I was in Colossians. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And it says, the father has delivered and drawn 
me. I know it says us, but I got to do it personally. Okay. Okay. That's my attitude. This is about me. This is God's word to me. Say, this is God's word to me. And it says, the father has delivered and drawn me to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. I'm no longer controlled by the enemy. He doesn't have authority over me. That's what the word says. Okay. And I believe that I don't give him. He has no permission over me anymore. It says the father has delivered and drawn drawn me to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred me into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's Jesus in whom I have redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. And why don't people walk in that? Because of their attitude. They don't believe that they deserve that redemption. And if you don't have the attitude, if you have the attitude that you don't believe you deserve it, you will not walk in it. You will not benefit from it. So you can't tell me your attitude cannot affect your future. When it comes to the word of God, yes, it can. Because I know what it's like to be tormented by the enemy to say you don't deserve forgiveness. You still should be in penalty for what happened or what you did. You know, you can say it with your mouth, but your life shows different. Whether you walk out what you believe and not just walk out, but receive that redemption means we walk in his goodness and everything that he sent Jesus to give me. I don't have to feel like I have to live in perfection all the time and works trying to gain my healing or receive what I think I deserve. Jesus shed his blood for me. For me to say I don't deserve it, that's putting my eyes on myself. That's pretty selfish. That's called pride. I know we, we kind of sound like we're holy. Oh, no, no, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not. Jesus did it for you. Receive it. Walk in it. Because it's a lie of the enemy to tell you that you're still in penalty of those sins. We're not. Can we change our attitude and say no more? No more. No more, devil. Like pastor said, I am the righteousness of God. I am made right because of Jesus, not because of anything I did. So my attitude is, I will believe what he says regardless. And as I was meditating on this, I thought of, I thought of Job. I went to Job and I'm in Job. It's 13. And you know what? <laughs> Job's friends. If you got friends like Job's, oh my gosh. Cause they're all like, what did you do? You must've been so bad. For God to be punishing you. Like what did you do? Just even his wife. Curse God and just die. Because you must be horrible. And I love what he says to them. <laughs> I love it. Verse 13. 13, 13. Whoop, whoop. Hold your peace. In other words. Shut up. 
is what he's telling them. Leave me alone so that I can speak. And (laughs) he says, verse 14, why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? That's the worst place you can be is trying to figure things out on your own and trying to go your own way. You're in more danger when you try to do that. And that's what that verse means. I meditated on this. Why should I take my flesh and my teeth? I mean, I got to be careful about what I say. And he says, verse 15, I do it because though he slay me, like you say, yet will I wait for and trust him and behold, (laughs) he will slay me. I have no hope. Nevertheless, I will maintain and argue my ways before him, even to his face. Yet, yet, yet I will serve him. And then after I read that, I thought of who the Hebrew children come on in Daniel. Let's go to Daniel verse three. Let's look at this. I love the Hebrew children because they're listening to Nebuchadnezzar and he's telling them, I heard that you're not bowing down. (laughs) Okay. He says in verse 15, now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the lyre, the harp, the dulcimer, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you're to fall down and worship the image which I have made. Very good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast at once into the midst of a fiery furnace. And who is that God who can deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, it is not necessary for us to even answer you on this point. Now, did they have attitude or what? Now, and I, and, and I just read from Colossians, we've got the promises of God. We've got the new Testament. We know what Jesus did, but these are the three. I mean, they knew and they're like, I, I don't even have to answer. I love that. I love that. They say that. And verse 17, I was talking to pastor just a little while ago about this, that word, if in my Bible and in different translations in the King James, it basically, when I read it, it basically means, okay, I heard what you say. It doesn't mean if like, if God can deliver us, they're not doubting that God can deliver us that if there, it means, so whatever you say, comma, our God. They say, our God, (laughs) our God, whom we serve, that's a position, whom we serve, whom we serve, that is a position. Who do you serve today? What position are you taking? As we, we heard from Nikki last week, my position is praise. My position is always praise and worship. Yet will I praise, yet will I serve him. My God, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But I love verse 18. He says, but even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we will never, not ever serve. We will never worship or put ourselves in position under you and your God. We will never worship Never the golden image which you have set up. And we all know what happened. We all know the fourth man showed up. Jesus showed up. You want Jesus to show up. 
We've got to change our attitude. We've got to change our attitude. It's got to be his word, what he said, regardless. I don't know what fiery furnace you're facing. I don't know what fiery furnace you're going to face. But our attitude has to be, he's going to deliver me. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. I will never bow down. Never. And I know some of you have heard this testimony, but I I need to share it tonight. I knew someone who was going through a fiery furnace. He was given a 10% chance of living. He had cancer. And he was only in his 30s. And um, he was in Montana. And the doctors told him, go to MD Anderson, but first plan your funeral. Go plan your funeral and then head down there. He had a young wife. He had two young children. And so he did. He went. He planned his funeral, did everything, him and his young wife. And they came through Texas, dropped off their two children, and then went down to to MD Anderson for treatment. And he said when he walked out of that funeral home, His attitude, his fixed purpose, his single-mindedness was, God, I know you can heal me. I have no doubt that you can heal me. But even if you don't, I will love you. I will serve you with my last breath. He came through Texas, dropped off his kids, went down to MD Anderson. He got in a group with those that were going through the same cancer. He was 10% chance of living. That was 27 years ago, and he's still alive today. 27 years ago. Maybe even longer. But that's the attitude. Jesus shows up when we say, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to be tossed to and fro. I, regardless, we're going through this. We're getting on the other side. My God is good. My God is good. He's always good. His word is true. I'm not under the control of the enemy. He's been defeated. He was defeated on the cross. He has no power, no authority over me, my children, my family. When I pray, I go straight to the throne room and his answer is yes and amen. Every promise is yes and amen. Yes and amen. I'm not budging. That's my attitude. I'm standing on the word of God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. It's being single-minded. This single-minded, that whole thing is, so often we, we put our, we will put our faith in a what? Like, well, I'm having my faith for this or for that. When I think we kind of mix things up, my, my faith is in him. My faith is in him. I'm, I'm, I'm fixed on him. Yes, there, there's outcomes we're believing for. There's things that God told us about. But the thing is, is whether I see that or not, the thing is, is my faith is in him. Not in a something, but my faith is in someone. Now, I want to close with this thought in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and the Sermon on the Mount. We'll close with this. You're receiving something tonight. 
Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Bless, let's look at no, no, uh, verse 3, starting off with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. I was saying, poor in spirit. What does that mean, poor in spirit? I've heard some people teach this scripture, and it's like, oh, I'm unworthy, and I'm poor in spirit. And No, if you're poor, it means you don't have enough. Means, meaning is, is, is you want more of him. Blessed are those that want more of him. Blessed are those that can't get enough of him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We need to live this way, right? And it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, verse 8 is what I want to deal with as we close. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, it doesn't say blessed are the perfect in heart. Remember, attitude is, is about the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. And I, I, I wrote this, pure is, is not just clean, but it's clear. Your heart is a container. When we talk about the heart, I'm not talking about your blood pump. That's pumping, pumping blood throughout your body, but I'm talking about your inner man. Blessed are the pure in heart. It's not just clean, but it's clear. A double-minded man is unstable in his, all his ways, meaning it's just, it's clutter. It's just so much. It's just chaos, busyness, just too much going on, trying to do things that you weren't supposed to do and and, and not saying no to this and saying yes to the, uh, to, yeah, saying yes to the wrong thing and saying no to the right things. Why? Because you're just so, so raw. But it says, blessed are the pure in heart. Life puts so much in our hearts and our emotions. We have surrounding influences that fill us with so much. But this says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yes. See, often we can't see God in a situation because our hearts has too much stuff going on. We need to get to a place where we see him and that's all we see. Blessed, empowered to prosper are the pure in heart. This This isn't about perfection, but this is about, this is about single mindedness, a Pure heart is a heart that doesn't have mixture. It's pure. It's pure. You know, I have a glass of water up here, and it's, it's water. But all of a sudden, if I add something else to it, yeah, it's water, but now it's not, it's not actually what it was before. I put a tea bag in it. Now I've changed it to tea. Why? Because I put something else in it. And that's what our hearts can be like. But here, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The three Hebrew boys going to the fiery furnace, having an attitude of being single-minded. 
That was, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What? And they saw God. Job even made this statement in the book of Job, and Job had a revelation of eternity. What do I mean by that? He, he said, whether in my flesh or out of my flesh, I'm going to see God. Yes. What? Why? Because he had a focus. Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Mm. Praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm. Yeah, Natalie, Deborah, y'all can come up if you like. Thank you, Father. Mm. You know, this is something we all deal with, right? Right? It's, it's easy to allow things take up residence in our heart and over our hearts and just consume us. And so really it comes down to just a daily surrender. It's, a, it's, it's maybe just a daily repentance or just saying, Lord, I had so much going on. I haven't spent time with you. It's not trying to earn a place with God. It's just saying, God, I don't want anything else to get in the way of you and me. I want to see you in this situation. Just for a few minutes, three, four minutes or so, can we just center our hearts on heaven, on God? Maybe, maybe just where you're standing. Just allow the Holy Spirit to maybe reveal to you. Where have I not been single-minded? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm, Thank you, Lord.